Uh, it's been a while Hello, since John. we spoke over the internet waves. It has, hasn't it? It's been it's been a fair while. How are you? I know how you are because I've seen you. Yeah, we saw each other twice in a week. Mm. Um, but uh, welcome to North v South, the podcast that is and isn't about design. This is episode 87 and we've been on a bit of a hiatus hernia. <laughs> yeah, what do we call it? Has it a hiatus? A, a gap year? We were on a break. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, kind of work got in the way, and like various illnesses and uh, holidays and Christmas. Uh, it just became a bit tricky to to find the time, didn't it? Yeah, and then you're more in the habit of not doing something than you are. Yeah, it's like going for a run or exercise or anything like that i wouldn't it? know about those things <laughs> so um yeah we're back and do we have any plans for the future rob and how are we going to adapt this a little bit or are we just going to plod on well i, I think the basic premise is is sound yeah we, we've discussed um not being quite so uh prescriptive about uh some of the topics that we talk about haven't we and just going with the flow a little bit more and chatting about kind of weekly news and kind of what's going on rather than having an entire episode dedicated to one particular topic. But I think if something really strikes us as needing a an episode, we'll we'll still go there. Yeah, we're not going to, I don't think we're, yeah, we're not going to get rid of uh, occasional interviews, uh, occasional features, but uh, we're going to get rid of the sort of the main topic and shorten it a little bit. But yeah. we'll see how it goes. We're none, of really, the, uh, none of the letters I've been receiving from listeners have, have told me that it's broke, so we shouldn't fix it. Well, mine I always have to put gloves on to open them. <laughs> you always uh, wear gloves, John. <laughs> nice lace ones. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're back. Um, it's Last year was a bit bitty, and we're planning to make this a bit more of a regular regular thing again. But I, I wonder what percentage of podcasters actually say that. Um but I, I, I'm pretty proud of a, of getting to 87 without having given up Me entirely. Too. Yeah. And, uh, and I've missed it a lot. I've missed, uh, your dulcet tones and chatting about all sorts of esoteric and random miscellanea. Yes. I've, I've missed the random miscellanea an awful lot. And you, of course. John. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what have you been up to? Well, well what's on your desk? Are we, do we need a little catch up? Well, I've been since October, um, uh, well, I've been working uh, ridiculously hard on a number of projects that all kind of overlapped at once, hence the sort of the gap um, in doing this. And it all just became a bit of a car crash at the end of last year. Uh, and so I seem to have cleared my, my desk a little bit. Um, and I've just won a project today which is really good news that takes me through to march and i don't have a lot of other things on one moment some applause for winning a project oh we should have a little um uh like a pitch win uh klaxon klaxon yeah yeah or a duck something like that (laughs) yeah feel free to yeah no that, that that's good um and what's been on my desk well i've also revived um so being sociable, <laughs> really, uh, I started um, gaming again with one of the dads uh, of our kids our age. Um, he's a, a keen gamer. So we are 
playing board. We play board games and tabletop games, that kind of thing. Not video games. Yes. What, what's what's the, the current game? Well, we had a secret Santa for Christmas on one side of the family. And mm. I got a game given a game called Memoir 44, which is absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's um, uh, Normandy campaigns uh, played on a little tabletop. And it's really good. Really good fun. It's dice and card based. So it's pretty easy to get into. It's not like, uh, you know, you're not measuring things with the, yeah, yeah. the tape measure elevation and all that kind of stuff. Are there some games you have to do that with? Oh, yeah. That's that's oh. normal war games. Is it? Isn't wow. it? Well, just Warhammer uses a tape it, I don't know. I've never played any of those kind of games. I've played, you know, role playing <laughs> games, but not any kind of turn based stuff in, in that respect. Oh yeah, um, no, definitely. Um, some nice little looking little miniature things with that memoir forty four. Yeah, I was surprised because the uh, it's it uses a, a games model called um, Command and Conquer, which uh, st- I think started with Napoleonics, and all they yeah, are are sort of wooden blocks, uh, which are which where you get that uh, the classic phrase meeples, if you've ever heard of those, oh, right, um, yeah. which are just wooden playing pieces, and then you would stick various stickers on the front of them. <clears throat> but this is more, um, it, you know, it's got some World War Two bits and bobs. They're not, they're not great models. Not like the other game we play, which is called Chain of Command, where you actually play with real little figures. Yeah, uh, which is super geeky, isn't it? And it is, going. but it's cool. Yeah, we've we've played some really good games over the last couple of years, but since uh, since summer, it all got too hard, and we just both couldn't play games. Mm. But we played. Blood Bowl, we've played X-Wing, we've played um, a sort of version of X-Wing, which was about fl- uh, giant fleets of spaceships. Um, oh, just lo- loads and loads of different games. That I've, Sounds cool. I've, I'm going to have to come over at some point and um, join you. Yeah, it's really, really good fun and really sociable. And and he's a teacher and he's started a, um, a gaming club at school and oh, he's nice. now got loads and loads of kids signed up and they're all learning maths and probability and he's a maths teacher yeah um and actually i had a chat with him yesterday about starting a game um and he's well up for working out all the probability stuff cool so we're going to be doing a joint a joint game similar now. kind of thing a, a tabletop turn-based thing i think it's going to be a card a card game like a deck a deck game Okay. Uh, if you've ever heard of Magic the Gathering, yes, uh, you kind of use cards to as multipliers. It's like gin of, rummy, but with magic. Yeah, <laughs> we have various decks, so it's like playing gin rummy with three different decks of cards. Mm. Um, so that's that's another thing on my on my desk is uh, is sort of just looking at card games. Um, but yeah, lots and lots of bits of plastic, paints. Oh, I've just ordered a, an airbrush. Oh, so, yeah, I can paint single paint. or uh, double action. Oh, uh, double action. Uh-huh. What, what's what's mainly on your desk, Rob? <clears throat> well, um, what is on my desk? Commissions. I've got a lot of commissions on, uh, which is nice. Uh, I did um, a little call out for commissions kind of after New Year and got a bunch of nice varied commissions in. So I've got, uh, what have I got? I've got a little Sergio Toppy-like landscape commission to do, some steampunk airship stuff. Uh, Space Girl and another sci-fi scene. I've just finished an alien xenomorph commission, uh, which was fun to do. Which, uh, if, uh, listeners, if you haven't had a look at, go and look on Rob's Twitter feed at this Northern Boy because it's um, fabulous. 
Thank you, John. It was good. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I did one just before Christmas, an alien commission. It was the first time I think I've drawn it ever. Um, so it's quite difficult because it's one of those things that's so iconic. You kind of have to get it right, but not be absolutely tortured about getting it perfect. Or, or you have to completely abstract it. Yeah. There's no, there's no middle ground for that, is there? I don't really do abstract. So yeah, I just got into all the details. Uh, but that's good. And you've been and you've been busy getting famous. Well, you say famous. Yes, famous. Uh, <laughs> well, were uh, we or were we not approached by a geek in Forbidden Planet who knew who you were? Yes, we'd met at a book <laughs> signing, <laughs> uh, which is not something I expected. Uh, yes, so the the Mortal Engine, the Illustrated World of Mortal Engines book, which I was among the illustrators for, which came out in December. So there's a little flurry of publicity for that. So we went to a screening and there was a couple of book signings. Um, and it was mostly all centred on Philip Reeve, the author, as it should be. Um, but uh, but I got asked to sign some books at the first signing. I was the only illustrator there. And then the second one, which was after a screening, Ian McHugh was there, David Wyatt and Philip Varbanoff, who'd flown in all the way from Bulgaria for the day. Um we all uh, we we had a little production line going of signing and doodling in people's books, which was really nice. Uh, and I kind of got used to it. I came away from all that really quite excited about, uh, you know, being being more involved in that in the book illustration world. So I'm reviving my ideas for my little kids' book. Um, yeah, so that was good. I enjoyed it. And kind of on top of all that, I've I booked myself a uh, drawing class, a life drawing class. So on Saturday morning, I'm going to Richmond College just down the road, and I'm going to be doing life drawing. Oh, they're still doing it down there, are they? Yeah, great. Um, so I bought myself. I got a little delivery today of different charcoals and uh, charcoal pencils and paper sticks and charcoal stumps and all sorts of stuff, none of which I can really remember what to do with. Because um, I haven't done any life drawing since, I think it was 1994. Uh, I don't uh, think a college. human being has changed that much, has it? No, but, you know, it's it's quite a daunting thing, life drawing. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't be more out of practice. <laughs> so I'm a little bit nervous about it. I just want to go there and hopefully with the intention of being very loose and free with my drawing. So nothing precious, not worried about if anything looks like a final picture, just want to, you know, really get into it, get dirty. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's what I've been up to. Oh, and I've got, uh, talking of card games, I'm working on the artwork for a space-based card game. Cool. Can you talk about it? Uh, I can talk about it as much as uh, I can say that I'm working on the artwork for a space-based card game. <laughs> uh, Byron Atkinson-Jones, uh, who's a game developer on Twitter, um, he's producing uh, a video game, which he's going to release on Steam, uh, which is a kind of space-based resource management space station kind of thing. And this is a card-based version of the same sort of thing. So I'm doing all the artwork for that. It's a really clever way of 
um, sort of combining two types of game mm. in uh, because so many developers have tried to create games that use both. I remember on the Philips video pack that I had, there was a game called, I think it was called like Quest for the Ring or something like that. And <laughs> Philips video pack was like, you know, for kids who weren't cool enough to have an Atari. Yeah, like me. Yeah, I had a Philips video pack because one of my dad's friends worked for Philips. And it was rubbish. Uh, it was like Teletext graphics. <laughs> and it, but I, I did love some games on it, but it, yeah, I didn't have this one, but it was, um, it had a keyboard, which was a touch sensitive keyboard, a little bit like the original ZX, uh, yeah. X, X, uh, ZX81. Yeah. Um, and you could overlay a map of their sort of version of Middle Earth on it. And you had to play the game using this. And that whenever wow. you pressed certain areas, it would take you to that area in the adventure. I remember going up to Hamleys and seeing it. My dad just saying absolutely no way because of the price of the game. I think yeah. it was like 25 quid or something at the time, which was a fortune. But yeah. Um, but people have been, uh, developers have been playing with that kind of, you know, or, or they have a, uh, a desktop game that has the, all the power and the sort of the dice rolling and the rules is generated by an app. Mm. Um, but they've never ever really taken off. I think it's because you want to play one or the other. And yeah. I think having the game in two versions is a really neat, neat way of covering those markets. If you're, you know, yeah. Yeah. I uh, think it's a, a great idea. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the, the online players might suddenly, you know, they, they're on holiday or they go away and they think, you know, I, lo- I love the brand of all this kind of stuff and they'll take that and play it on a card based game mm. and vice, vice versa as well. Yeah. Uh, and the nice thing about that job actually is I'm getting to design kind of some of the graphics for the the card game as well. So, you know, the logo and I'll probably get involved in packaging and um yeah, so it's it's not just a straight illustration job, which is nice. Cool. Mm. Um so, I think yeah, I think that's I think that's everything that's on my desk. Everything that I've been up to. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else is on mine. Oh, well, I've got um I've been doing a lot of coding. I've been teaching myself like proper development and I realized I'm not very good at it where, you know, I sort of get by. Uh, yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm built, I've built my first app this week that I've ever built, really? um, which is, it's not very exciting. It doesn't really do much. It just imports files into something. Um, but uh, it's been quite eye opening and I haven't had a lot of clients breathing down my neck, asking me for micro things with, you know, like logos and stuff. So actually it's been quite nice to sit for the last couple of days and actually get my brain around doing some of these things. Um, the other thing I'm doing, what else? I got a, a mini Cooper for Christmas, uh, not a real one, um, but a Lego one. I've been uh, building that gradually. Um, it's very dinky. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of mini Coopers, but, you know, it's a nice object. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look as awful as the DB, whatever it no, is. The DB5, yeah, um, which doesn't look like a DB5 at all. No. The, the thing I have to say about the, the creator ones, which are the ones that are, you know, they're sort of crowdsourced. Yeah. They're not very technical, so bits don't work. So the excitement of making old Technics kind of Lego was building the gearbox and and then finally getting the wheels on and the ratchets work for the steering yeah, yeah. and stuff. And the first bit in this model is putting on these tiny little clips, which you clip the wheels to. It's yeah. kind of a little bit disappointing with a, oh, look, sound effects. 
That actually sounded like a mini. <laughs> it did a bit, didn't it? <laughs> but you know, do you know what I mean? It's like it doesn't have that connect. You, you don't feel very connected with That's the shame, mechanical object. Um, yeah. But it's How a very. It's, it's actually really dinky. It's probably um, 12 inches Okay, long. that's bigger than I thought, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's over a 1,000 pieces. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's all me. And then the other thing that I uh, is are all the books that I've bought when I went up to London to see you on Tuesday. Yeah, we had a little uh, comic, uh, comic trip, didn't we? Comic buying trip. Yeah, it was nice. We went to uh, McDonald's, which is um, <laughs> Forbidden Planet. And then we went to uh, I don't know Byron Burger and uh, and had um, and went to Gosh, but I have to say I was really impressed with Forbidden Planet when it wasn't the weekend. It was it was a much better shop than I remember it being. Oh, I, it's the first time I've been, um, so I was slightly uh, disappointed when we went in because it's on two levels. That the kind of everything you first see, there's no comics. There isn't any, you know, there aren't any books at all upstairs. It's all merch, um, which I guess says a lot about the state of play these days. But, um, but yeah, I was really impressed. I mean, downstairs, it was a, a treasure trove of <clears throat> comics, comic books, annuals, paperbacks, graphic novels, fantastic stuff. Uh, and what did you buy, John? What were your <clears throat> purchases? Uh, I... Got a few comics. Uh, the first one I got was The Adventure Zone. I, I hadn't, I, I didn't buy any of the comics that were on my list that I taken with me as I, as I always do. I get distracted, but this one looked really, really funny. Um, it's by, it's a comic about, um, it, it couldn't be more meta if it, if it tried. Um, it's about a family brothers i think i haven't really got that deeply into it and their father who take up um dungeons and dragons and when i showed the comic to my friend alex last night he's he's a dnd player and he said oh this is the they're playing the first <coughs> the adventure that you get with the starter kit okay um and uh, basically it's a comic book about these people playing Dungeons and Dragons, but they are the characters that they are in, in Dungeons and Dragons, but they're also having conversations between each other about everyday things. So they're yeah. bickering. And then the dungeon master breaks in every so often and he appears as a character who's talking to them or it just sounds fantastic. exasperated. And it's really, really funny. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a, it's, it's a number one bestseller of in New York times mm. bestseller list so it's obviously sold a few um a few copies yeah but um yeah i'm enjoying it it's not like you know world-breaking art or anything but it's it's drawn in a really nice um well comic comic way it's very yeah. much a comic book uh, and then the other one i got was um it's called sarah and i couldn't find this listed anywhere so i'm, I'm imagining it's only just come out and it seems to be the first uh imprint from a new imprint um, I, can't, I haven't got the comic in front of me, but it's by Garth Ennis who made Preacher and has basically dominated. You know, if you like ultra violent comic books, then yeah. he's your man for the narrative. Um, and it's about a group of female snipers, uh, uh, Soviet female snipers in, in World War II. Um, and I picked it up because one, it just, I like anything he does really. I like his humor. Yeah. Um, and I like World War Two stuff, and uh, and there's been a sort of uh, a new wave of of World War Two a comic interest. You know, when when, when I was yeah. a kid, we used to have one called Battle, and uh, and 
you were telling me the other day that it's actually being revived. Um, yeah, 2008, I think the Judge Dredd magazine are reviving the battle title um, solely to publish some French World War II comics. I think it's four or five sort of single issues that are, are linked um, that have never been translated published in the UK before. So they've revived Battle to, to publish that, which sounds quite interesting. Yeah. I, I think this is, um, it's really, 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 really violent. <coughs> <laughs> and uh, it's kind of just somebody multiply shooting Nazis. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder if it's got quite a lot of its um, tongue in it. It's obviously got a, a large tongue in its cheek, but it's also got a foot firmly in um, in today's, uh, political yes society and it's uh it's it's beautifully drawn though and it must be very very rewarding for the artist but also incredibly hard work trying to get all of these things authentically drawn um i mean not even hollywood did that did they they never used the right tanks or no well, we, were looking at, we were looking at another comic weren't we the world of tanks yeah well he wrote that as well yes uh which is drawn by PJ Holden, who on Twitter often posts about the kind of research he's having to do and how you know, uh, difficult it is to get things right in that uh, in that area. So yeah, uh, so it's by uh, TKO Studios. Yeah, so, where, where have they come out from? Are they? I don't know. Yeah, well, it's a very nicely produced book. It's a really nice format, actually. It's sort of I don't know, slightly chopped down A4. Yeah. I don't know what the exact uh, measurements are. There's probably a website I could go to to find probably. find out. But um, but that's sort of that conversation led me on to Punisher. I didn't realise that Garth Ennis had also written quite a few of the mm. modern Punisher comics. Um, so I started watching them last night on Netflix at your recommendation. Yes, um, because I never knew anything about Punisher or that kind of. Are you watching series one? Genre. Yes. Yeah. Um, I really like the actor. I remember he was He's in great. Drive. Is he in Baby Driver? Is he one of uh, the baddies. In? Might have been. Yes, uh, I didn't see that, but I think. He did. <clears throat> yeah, he's a he's a he's a really watchable actor, I, yeah. and, and I really did enjoy it. It is nasty. <laughs> yes, it is very violent. Yeah. Wait till you get to the gym scene in series two. Oh. That's all I'll say. Mister Jim. Was that, would you just get the couple two comics at the thing? I got another one. Um, it's called Bone, and it's a series of kind of fantasy um, creatures that get lost. They get uh, expelled from their from their city they live in, and they find a forest, and they meet all weird and wonderful creatures there, and they um, uh, they have to rescue them. It's kind of a fantasy long form comic okay. series uh matt groaning is a massive fan of it and it has that kind of um oh what was his his original ones like something in hell life in hell i think it no was idea. It, it, before he did the simpsons he was a, you know he was a comic book mm. artist and he did this series and they, they the characters are quite similar in that way so um it's got a sort of touches of um groaning's latest effort on that was on netflix yeah, I can't remember what it was called. It wasn't good. Like a fairyland pixie yeah. elf thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't get anything, you know, esoteric or anything like that. What, else, what did you get? Uh, I'll fly through mine because I got five. Uh, I got <laughs> <laughs> I got volume one of Low. That was the margarita, didn't uh, it? Yeah, I know. That was a good margarita, though. 
by Rick Remender and Greg Tacchini, uh, which just looks stunning. I bought that purely for the art. I have no idea what it's about at all. Uh, at your recommendation, and uh, Ben the Illustrators, um, I've got the first issue of Paper Girls by Brian K. Vaughan and Cliff Chang. Uh, I got, I'd seen this on Twitter because I follow the artist Bengal. So I got Death or Glory, <clears throat> which again is by Rick Render and Bengal. Um, which is, I don't know if it looks amazing, the art, and it's fantastic. Um, that's the one I've started reading. And I bought, uh, The Meta Barons Volume 1, which is, uh, Jodorowsky and, uh, Jimenez. Which is a character, Meta, the Meta Baron, I think, was first seen in Jodorowsky and Mobius's The Incal. Um, so it's kind of crazy French sci-fi thing, uh, which looks great. And then, completely different to all of those, I got Escaping Wars and Waves, which is Encounters with Syrian Refugees by Olivier Kugler, um, which is this beautifully illustrated account of um, his meetings with... Um, refugees from the Syrian civil war. Um, and it's just a, a breathtakingly beautiful book. So I'm really looking forward to having a look through that. I don't suppose it'll be easy reading, but, um, it's a stunning piece of work. But all the, all these books that we mentioned are, are, are what, you know, I would, I would tag comics, but they cover so many genres mm. and styles and sort of, um, uh, emotional kind of, uh, I don't know what I'm saying there, but they, it just shows if you haven't tried comics, there is something for you out there. It's not all like Spider-Man and it's not all, um, you know, the Beano. There is, there is so much important work being yeah, made. There's as much comic form. There's as much variety in comics and graphic novels as there is in just fiction itself. You know, some really serious stuff that touches on really difficult subjects and, you know, all the way up to Squirrel Girl. <laughs> There's something for everyone. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited about digging into those. So, you got any news there, Rob? Uh, yes, I have. I'm going to go with um, <clears throat> something. Got, well, it's not really news. It's a thing I came across on Twitter the other day. It might have even been tweeted by Present and Correct, the wonderful Twitter account of the wonderful stationery shop in East London. Uh, and it's something called dimensions.guide. So it's a website, dimensions.guide. And um, it's a resource for the dimensions of hundreds of everyday objects and things. It, uh, yeah, I, I, saw, include, I saw this the other day, I don't, and, and it's not through you. I don't know where I yeah. saw it, but um, and I, it it can't be Twitter because I don't really look You're at that. You're never much. bloody on there, are you? But it's got it's brilliant. It is. When I was a, a kid at school doing uh, design communication, we used to have books of on ergonomics and uh, stuff like that, which was kind of measurements for standard everyday things like the height of a desk and the you know the. Uh, depth of a tread of a stair and things like this. And this is kind of like that, but it takes it, you know, so many, so many levels further. So you've got dimensions for furniture, but you have dimensions for specific furniture, like, uh, you know, kind of mid-century 
beautiful design stuff like you know Eames stuff and uh, uh, the butterfly chair, the Barcelona chairs, uh, Eames lounges, and it's just fantastic. Um, and you've also got dimensions for things like zebras and hippopotamuses, uh, the the height of corn. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's just fab. It's kind of got everything you you need. Um, I mean, it's particularly geared, you know, towards kind of architecture and interior design and stuff. But you know, there's bound to be stuff that as a as a graphic designer you'll you'll kind of want to include or you'll want to know something or if you just want to know how long an ankylosaurus dinosaur was then this is the website for you and it's beautifully produced the graphics are just so nice it's just super simple yeah and what i what i really fond of it um is the fact that it's 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 indie web you know it's sitting on its own platform it's not using anything else yeah it's really simplistic yes there are there's one set of adverts on there um but it is just a brilliant project that can just go on forever yeah, and you can download all of the all of the dimensions as svgs so if you want a vector file for your mm. illustrator or if you're doing an interior design or whatever down it comes. It's yeah. uh, and it's in, and it's available in DWG as well. I think because they're architects. Well yeah. done, people. Super, super, super stuff. So dimensions.guide. Dimensions. Guide. guide. Good, good, t- good um, URL as well. Yeah, isn't it just? <clears throat> Brian Maddock is the chap. Yeah, well done, Brian. Uh, what have you got, John? Uh, the design world loves. It's looking inward, never looking out. <clears throat> uh, Slack. That yes. kind of that strange app that is well and truly um, has its nozzle straight up its own arse, uh, has had a rebrand. It does. Um, I mean, you say that, but it's very well um, used in the design it world, is. isn't it? I don't think it's made it. Has it made any money yet? Oh, no idea. No. Um, it's a confusing and muddled brand already, and uh, it's had a rebrand, and people have been extremely critical of it. Uh, like we said in the past, if the client's happy with it and it's working for them, then leave it alone. Well, one of the things, as always, is when a when something rebrands, it's 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 the first thing everyone sees about the rebrand is the new logo. So everyone just piles in. What was wrong with the old logo? This looks terrible. It doesn't work on, you know, this color, whatever, and. I swear, every time this happens on Twitter or kind of in the comments section online somewhere, there's there's a huge flurry of of uh, indignation about it, and then it kind of settles down because someone will say, "Well, you know, we didn't know the background to the brief," and everyone kind of says, "Oh yeah, you're right," and then it all happens again. No one learns the lesson. Everyone just dives in with both feet every time. And and slags off every single rebrand as it happens. So regardless of whether you think the logo is great or not, it's about whether it works. And you don't really know if it works because you don't know what the brief was. You don't know what the problem it was solving was. Just because you liked it before doesn't mean it's wrong now. <sighs> um, it's my it's Beirut as well, who's you know yeah Pentagram hugely high, highly regarded as a as a logo and a branding designer, and he has responded immediately saying that um, he was prepared and 
his quote was he anticipated or he's quoted in um, Design Week as saying he anticipated that 95 percent of its audience would hate the change because they love Slack so much. But I don't think it's the 95 percent of the audience um, of the users. It's just general design yeah. people looking in, making um Absolutely, and they can Ill, make ill-informed comments. Yeah, and they, I, they can I make enough though, noise that it that it it reaches out that indignation out into the wider world, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I think the confusion with it is uh, they've gone with this um, strong purple background, mm. um, and that some of the colours just clearly don't work on the purple. Um, and I think that they look already look. You know, the red red on purple is just not a good colour choice. Mm. Um, and one of the problems they had beforehand was too many colours. I think it was like 11, 10 or 11 colours. Yeah, because um, things overlapped, didn't they? There was kind why of, not just go for two two or three colours? You yeah. know, it's still on five. It's still a lot, isn't it? There's, you know that in five years' times, people are going to come back to that and strip it down even further. Yeah, it's fine. You know, it's, it's going to be successful for the brand because it's made so much noise. Uh, it's almost like our brand's getting geared up now for that kind of, we need to change every three or four years because we need that bit of uh, publicity. Input. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, no one's going to stop using a bloody app like that just because they don't like the rebrand, are they? So, no, it's, you know. Companies it's just have to be brave and, and sit sit out the the noise, don't they, when these things happen? Yeah, I think a, a lot of people's serious complaint about it is that it isn't brave and it's not really that revolutionary. Mm. It's very, very safe. Uh, it, when you see it on, there's one of a um, uh, bus poster campaign. Uh, it, to me, it just looks like a bank. Yeah. It doesn't look like a bit of technology that enables connection. And I, uh, But, you know, that's a problem for them to, to solve. But every single month we get one more of these rebrands or brands that it goes through the same boring cycle, mm. doesn't it? Yeah, um, absolutely. We just need to focus on other things. So uh, that's our second bit of news. He's <laughs> <laughs> saying we should uh, focus yeah, me, on other me. things. No, it was only because it was in the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just oh, repeating no. what I'm told to say by the corporations that, that <laughs> run us. Um, but no, I I don't really care. No, <laughs> that's entirely fair. And you, you typed in here, um, has any rebrand met with overwhelming approval? Well, yeah. I think it probably has, but um, increasingly not as as social media gets noisier. Yeah, maybe not since the age of Twitter. I mean, we really to, are living in a slummy age, aren't we? We are, but I'd love to kind of go back and think about which brands have, have rebranded and it being you know, accepted with joy in the hearts of its consumers. Can't really think of anything. I mean, the first one of these rebrands that I remember really getting a pasting was the Gap rebrand. Do you remember that? They ruled it out. I think yeah. it was probably pre-Twitter. They ruled it out and uh, had to roll it all back a couple of months later because people hated it. I know, and I bought Coral Draw to design that in. <laughs> Did you? Um, <laughs> so um, the D DNAD, just following on from that, have mm. had a little rebrand for their poster campaign for their event this year in their festival yep. um, it is Village Green Design Agency have done this um, I think statically the posters look great and they've kind of gone with distorting type and playing around with letter forms and their pretentious blurb talks about how um, you can't get past it on the uh, firewall on Creative Review no, it talks about like um, 
how they wanted to show that early designers play around with letter forms um, and to get things right, which I don't think is true at all. It's just post-rationalization nonsense. Mm. But the color palette they've chosen and the blacks on it looks really, really good. Where I think it falls down is, uh, is a trend that all designers are going through at the moment or all brands are requesting it maybe more accurately, uh, animating logos. Yeah. Uh, why, why do we have to animate everything? These are, these are lovely print posters. Why do they need to be animated? Uh, because the, actually, if you, when you look at the animations, they're really not great. Um, I don't think anyway, they, they look too shiny. Yeah. Um, but what, what is it with animations? Like it's becoming part of the brand. Guidelines yeah, now, everything has to have a, a like a funky little animation of their logo becoming something else, doesn't it, or evolving out of something else. Yeah, there's a, there's a new podcast, actually. I haven't put this in the news, but I was listening to it yesterday, and it starts off with two really uh, great designers who couldn't be more different. Uh, uh, a designer called Liz Elcote. Have you mm. heard of her at no. all? She's just released a new podcast, which is about branding and web design. It's called Elastic Brand Pod. So okay. if you go on Twitter and look at Elastic Brand Pod, uh, it was really good. And congratulations to you, Liz. It's a done a decent effort for your first two episodes. She's got Mike Cuss on there, Cuss, Cuss, um, who is a fantastic designer, photographer. Um, uh, he's sort of online des- brand designer. And then the second uh, guest is John Hicks. Oh, cool. Um, so they're v- very different in terms of how they approach design. But it was interesting that it, during the Mike Cuss one, what they were talking about um, brand guidelines and how you didn't, because you're creating brand guidelines, you don't really need to show spacing and um, kind of guides for a designer. Um, so they're more about the sort of the esoteric uh, value led kind of part of a brand. So, you know, what kind of emotions they're trying to draw out their users or they're trying to imbue workers for the, that company with mm-hmm. this kind of uh, ethic. Um, uh, I don't think I agreed with that because uh, John Hicks didn't either. It, it, it was just interesting to see where brand guidelines are going to, you know, what, what they're becoming um, before they were corporate identity, which is like, yeah. you know, it goes like this, you put it here. <clears throat> um, but now it's more about, how you approach yes. how the brand adapts. Personality. So, and- yeah. So animation kind of forms that, doesn't it? It, mm. it? Now that we can go into digital. But I don't think every logo, every logo type or form needs to be animated. It, no. it seems to be a trend that is just gone too far at the moment. Yeah. Um, those, um, just getting back to those DNOD posters, they really remind me of um, Emigre magazine. Do you know yeah, Emigre? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mid eighties, kind of one of the first kind of digital type foundries. Um, what was it? Rudy Vanderlands and Susanna Licker, I think. Um, really got that kind of that style about it. Um, which isn't a bad thing, but I'll have to, um, I'll have to have a look at the animations. As you say, I can't, can't see them on that creative review link, but I'll, I'll dig around and have a gander. Sticking with design, Gary Hustwit, who made the uh, Helvetica film that was out a few years ago has um, made a film about Dieter Rams. Um, If you don't know Dieter Rams' name, you'll definitely know his work. So he was the 
kind of creative force behind Braun uh, in the 60s and 70s, I guess, was the, when they first kind of came out. Uh, and he's also worked with Witzer, the, the furniture people, um, for years, um, and kind of epitomizes that beautiful German paired back industrial design that Johnny Ive at Apple so reveres. Um, so I've, I've only watched the trailer for the film. So I think it's 11 quid to buy the film, but I'll definitely be getting that. Yeah, Helvetica was a good film. There was one that followed that, which was not so strong. Yeah, I can't remember what the second one was. It was um, about product design, wasn't it? Was it? Um, but this looks lovely. And, you know, Dieter Rams is just a, a fantastic designer and talks well about design. Um, so that's, uh, I think that's a must. Definitely. So you can um, go to hustwit.com. Talking of classic design, David Carson was the name I was trying to remember with Emigre. Didn't okay. they focus on him quite a lot? Uh, no, he was afterwards. So uh, I, th- I think he was after Emigre. So he he created Raygun magazine and blah, blah, blah he did as well. Yeah, surfing magazine. Oh, and then Raygun. I remember I used to buy that when I was at college. And I remember an entire article. I can't remember which band it was about, but it was... Is that when he just did it in dingbats? He set the whole thing in. Is it Brian that, Ferry was being a dingbats, pain yeah. in the butt? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, Something like that. Yeah, yeah I, I, just, I had a client actually who wanted his website designed in Carson style. Um, wow. But he didn't... Well, it it was a Squarespace kind mm. of quick fix jobby and didn't really have the budget for it, but... Um, yeah. It was quite fun playing with it. Interesting to find a, a client that's heard of David Carson, really. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a designer's it. designer rather than, you know, the sort of thing, the sort of person the public will have heard of. Yeah, he's not someone I understand. Um, don't really get it. Uh, it seems just very much um, that you have to like his work and therefore you'll think it's great. <laughs> I think when he started with sort of Surf Magazine and Reagan, it was all about rewarding effort. So uh, if you were a traditional magazine reader and you picked up their magazines, you wouldn't really be able to make head and a tail of it. Yeah. But if you were prepared to put the effort in, you were rewarded with, you know, kind of interesting content. Yeah, I think that that just creates friction, which you kind of need, don't you, sometimes. But when when you're talking about something that's a magazine, it's very hard for you to... um, to make users go beyond a certain effort level to actually yeah. engage with it. Um, I mean, I, I think, it, you know, he was, he had a sort of niche readership anyway. So I think they were, they were with him all the way on that, weren't they? But, but yeah, he certainly couldn't do it with anything more mainstream. Yeah. There was a, an article on medium uh, recently about a, uh, which was a, a, a professor in design getting all his students to pick up, uh, current sites like Dribble or whatever, mm. and redesigning them in a in an avant garde way, in a kind of challenging way. And there were some really interesting results. But do you know they all look? Do you know what they all look like? All what? the redesigns they all look like flash sites from 1995. <laughs> <laughs> this is it's kind of uh, I'm, I'm I'm disappearing down an inception. Not 95, maybe 2000 and yeah, something. Like a, but yeah, kind of recursive hole thinking about Dribble being redesigned because that's yeah, all I mean, Dribble it, is full of. Yeah, I'll put I'll post the I'll post the thing to you, but it was just it was a side by side of um, Behance and Dribble next to each mm. other, and they you you know it is identical design. You can't yeah. tell the difference between the two, mm. um, and that it was that kind of 
challenging of, uh, well, what if we have everything looking the same? But there is room for that, isn't there? There is, there is that need for, well, we've spoken about it before and yeah. we're going on far too much about it. But anyway, if you want to learn about the sort of art direct web websites, then listen to Mike Kuss's interview with Liz yeah, Elkert. Cool. I'll have to listen great. to that. Next bit of news. I'm going to talk about moles because I've, I've announced our comeback and you can vote for what you'd like us to talk about. Um, I love a mole. Uh, I talk about moles every day on my way to school with my daughter because there's mole mole hills. Okay, fine. We make up little stories. Um, But there's a brilliant uh, Twitter account called Tweetolectology. And I think it's probably... Uh, I haven't really gone into it, but it's probably looking at dialect um, either around the world or in the UK only. And it's um, it's a, a map showing where what uh, where in the UK different words were used to describe. <coughs> and I'll quote it directly after looking them. Uh, what do you call the animal that throws up small mounds of earth in the fields? And the most popular would would obviously be a mole. Yeah, but second. Was a mould, right? Oh no! So second was a mouldy, uh, but the most popular and the oldest form is mould warp, mould, which kind of brings in mind June and worms and it's weird, isn't it? Time warp kind of things because they're going through the earth. I guess yeah, they didn't yeah. know where they went and when they came out again. The distribution is really strange, isn't it? Do you, what do you call them, mouldies? No mould. <laughs> well, actually, weirdly, right in the middle of uh, North Yorkshire. All of North Yorkshire seems to be uh, mouldy or mouldy warp, apart from uh, a bit where York is, where I'm from, which is mole. And then Welsh is unt. Well, it's not Welsh, is it? It's the the West Country. Uh, Well, the West Midlands or kind of the potteries and stuff. Yeah, Welsh isn't on there, but... uh, Yeah, but the Cornish is want and kind of Dorset and Somerset is want. But Devon is mole. <laughs> They're just being contrary down there. Anyway, vote, vote mole. That's what I say. Mm. What <laughs> were the results of that poll, by the way? Was oh, it I haven't uh, So, website of the week is littleheroescomics.co.uk and they are, um, for some reason the page won't load now, they are a charity based in the UK and they distribute comic-making kits Um which is a great idea. Um, just trying to see what, what you get in a kit. Um, so I'll put that in when we do the show notes. I'll put the link to their website. And I'll also put the link to how to donate. <clears throat> so they distribute these comic making kits to children in hospitals or hospices. Um, and it's just a fantastic thing. So you get these kits with pads and uh, Panelled blank comic books, pencils, um, all sorts of stuff, drawing guides, crayons, um, and that enables kids in hospitals <coughs> to make their own comics. They're giving it away for free with wonderful. their donations. Yeah. Oh, what a wonderful charity. Yeah, absolutely. And they've just recently received a, a lottery funding grant as well to, to help them produce more of these kits. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Um, mine, I was. It was a toss-up between 3D printed Fisher Price toy records, which just blew my mind. Hang on, say that again. 
3D printed Fisher Price toy records. Yeah, do you remember the Fisher Price toy record player? They had like a mixture of grooves and dots, didn't they? Yeah. So this guy has written a program. Uh, it was basically, I was going to highlight this chap, but he's written a program that takes music, uh, you play it into, you play an MP3 into his bit of, uh, little, little program, and it spits out a 3D uh, printing file, mm-hmm. which you can then print and then play on a Fisher Price. So he's done like, you know, Stairway to Heaven or whatever on these little printed records. Mm-hmm. Brilliant idea. Yeah. And brilliant bit of playing around. Problem with the new, because we bought one for Kitty when she was little. The problem with the new one is they're battery operated, which is just disgusting. Yeah. And I didn't realize this. And the thing underneath the, the little player, the, the pickup. Yeah. It, it doesn't do anything. It's just, it's just, it's just coming out of a speaker when you turn it on. Oh. How oh, disappointing is that? Yeah. So, so you're going to gonna have to source an old you'd fashioned You'd have to find one. An, old, an old one. Anyway, right. my website of the week is um, map.forgottenrex.org. And this is a, a map of First World War wrecks uh, wow. off the south coast of uh, Great Britain. There's a lot of them. And it is just brilliant. Again, it's just something you can just get caught up in for oh, that's clever, 15, 20 it? minutes. And it's yeah. really nicely rendered. They've done it in a really nice... It's got a graphic overlay of kind of uh, halftone dots. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely that's, one to... That's fab. Yeah, it uh, tells you next all about that, boats I, when you click on them. And yeah, I just stuff. put next to that. Oh, I haven't managed to get it to work. There's a uh, another kind of interactive map search thing where you can search for all the Allied aircraft crashes in the North Sea. Well, should we move on to the park? We could move on for parts. Yeah, you. we've been going around. Yeah. Uh, so what have you got, John? Um, hang on a sec. Oh, my God. Tell me what. Mine smells great. Oh, I've got a Higgity pie because there's still a stockpile. This one's from April last year. Um, <laughs> this is a, ha- a heartwarming roasted butternut squash and feta pie with seeded spelt shortcut pastry and a, a tomato and quinoa crumb. That sounds awful. Yeah. Well, it will be now after having spent eight months in the freezer. Yeah. My wife is convinced that you can put something in the freezer and it will last for, you know, for well, your I mean, whole te- lifetime. Technically, she's not wrong. I'm, my, the smell I'm getting at the moment will uh, contradict me. It's almost like your wife's got something against you, John. Yeah, she has. Why she married me? <laughs> um. Well, it's it butternut squash in a pie. I mean... Do I need to say any more? Not really. No. You'll go. Uh, I also have got a higgity. Um, I was going to try and get a, you know, a nice pie for this, for this old comeback show, the comeback special, like uh, Elvis in 68. But uh, I did, we're going to the supermarket and get a higgity. So it's a chicken, ham and mushroom pie. Uh, and it smells delicious. Um, it smells very mushroomy rather than anything else, with a bit of kind of smoky, smoky bacon about it. And it's also very hot. That's not bad. It's very mushroomy. That's like the overriding. If you told me it was a mushroom pie, I wouldn't have argued with you. But pretty tasty. Um, Pastry's pretty good. 
And uh, yes, wash down with the thirsty ferret. Oh, a very nice beer. Amber ale, four point four percent from the Badger Brewery in Dorset. What have you been drinking? Uh, a Brooklyn Lager. What are you going to score that then? I'm going to give it a six. Yeah, it might get rounded up to a six and a half. Right. This is getting a three. A three. It's butternut squash in a pie. No. Yeah, it's just unnecessary, isn't no. it? No. Yeah. Uh, so on that. Uh, dark and dank pie note. <laughs> it's time to say goodnight. Yes, and we will be back next week. Yeah, yeah. We can uh, we put out a few tweets and see if uh, people have got anything they want us to talk about. And uh, we'll just be back with with more of the same. Right. Well, let's better say pies next week. Maybe we should yeah. aim for a good pie next. Let's week. go for a good pie next yeah. week. Is going to be a mind blowing pie. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see you next week then. Cheerio. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.